Welcome to Monsters, Madness, and Magic. We would like to offer thanks to all you heretics and maniacs for your continued support and encourage you to visit our website at monstersmadnessandmagic.com to stay up to date on all the dark dealings within the Sanctuary of the Strange. We can also be found slithering our way into your nearest social media platforms. Be sure to follow Monsters, Madness, and Magic on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and Instagram. If you enjoy the show and would like to unlock Patreon-exclusive content, consider subscribing at patreon.com forward slash Monsters Madness Magic. Enjoy the show. <laughs> Greetings, boils and ghouls. This is your comrade, the Crypt Keeper, here, reporting dead from the sanctuary of the strange. Tonight's macabre myth is a fright-filled feature, one overflowing with monsters, madness, and magic. <laughs> Welcome to the Monsters, Madness, and Magic podcast. I am Justin, joined by my co-host making his M3 debut, the Howling Man himself, Mr. Jarvis Leatherby of Night Demon and Sirithungal. Jarvis, say hello. Hello, hello. Thank you, Jarvis. And this evening we are joined by a very special guest, visual effects artist, director, the Doctor of Deathgasm, Mr. Jason Lee Howden. Jason, how the hell are you? Awesome, great. Thanks for having me, guys. Oh, yeah, man. It's a pleasure. So let's just start at the beginning and keep it easy. Uh, what's your horror movie origin story? What were you devouring at a young age? I, I wasn't actually allowed to watch horror movies. I had very strict parents that were like, uh, no, no horror. I was allowed to watch like really violent ninja movies because uh, my dad wanted me to get into like um, sports. <laughs> so he'd let me watch like these uh, R18 like ninja movies of people getting like shrunk in the eyes and stuff. But I wasn't allowed to watch actual horror movies. But um, I think the, th the movie that kicked it off was like uh, when I was a kid, I was, um, you know, I must have been like maybe 10 or something. Uh, after school, I went to this department store. And you know how they used to have like the big walls of TVs? Um, I I was just like looking at video games or something, and I saw this wall of TVs, and it had Peter Jackson's Bad Taste playing on it. Like all the TVs. It's like, you know, three o'clock in the afternoon. What the fuck? And like, um, I was just watching it, and just I, my mind couldn't comprehend what was going on. There was just like sheep getting blown up and like brains getting eaten. I just sat there and watched like to the end. I was like, fuck is this? And I think the, the thing that really struck me is, like, um, the fact they had New Zealand accents. I just didn't know that New Zealanders were allowed to make movies like that. I was like, this is this is insane. So, you know, I, th I think that sort of, like, um, planted the seed, I guess. Um, did have did you see Dead Alive back in the day? I, I did. Like, um, from then on, I was uh, I was hooked. So um, that that was that was definitely one of my favorites. I actually had um, my, my room when I was in my later teens was just, like, every inch of like the uh, walls and the ceiling were covered in film posters. I just used to go to video shops after school and I just like get all the film posters um, from video shops. And like, yeah. So, so the one when I lay down on my bed, like the one above me was like uh brain dead. That was my favorite. Uh, That's a great, amazing. Um, and it's kind of crazy because I'm living in Wellington. So I'm actually like um, really close to a lot of the places where they filmed that, uh, you know, it's Peter Jackson's um, like stomping ground. So he actually filmed Bad Taste, like maybe like 10 minutes away from where I live, where, where I am right now. And uh, yeah, um, a, another big influence. And I guess uh, you guys can probably tell, from, you know, from watching Deathgasm is, is Evil Dead 2, um, which I watched in um, in high school. And yeah, that that was another one of those moments where I just, it's it sort of just like changed the way I thought about films because I, you know, I'd sort of, I'd seen a few slashes, I'd seen the free movies, but I hadn't seen anything quite so fucked up and off the wall and, and <laughs> experimental and 
you know, it's just gory, yeah, gory. It just, it, yeah, yeah, it's so gory and all the all the different camera angles and like crazy shit. So like that 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 really had an effect on me as well. And and you know, I think um, you know, there's a lot of in death chasm that's aping that, you know, that that style and that sense of humor. Um, right. Yeah, I actually saw that Evil Dead musical in Vegas. It was great, man. Oh, fantastic. It was, yeah. it was like it was like a guar show. Like if you were up front, like they gave you a white t-shirt because that was like the splatter zone. You know, it was crazy oh, though. Man, like, amazing. Yeah, they did a full-on musical, but definitely Deathgasm. Like I could, I could see. You know, I. It's funny. I think just. I mean, because Evil Dead is just kind of so old now. It's like, like it. It wasn't until you just mentioned that that I could. Now I can really. It's clear as day from now. it. That, yeah, yeah. It's yeah. like wow, you know. It's like yeah. There's really there's really a good. It's a good. Um, I can see where where that influence of it seeps into it, which is nice. You know? Yeah, like for me, it was like you know movies like that, like you know, Bad Taste, Evil Dead, um, Dawn of the Dead. Um, you know, they they were Riddick zombies. They were the movies that me and my mates would watch all the time. You know, in my um, in my teens and like so, Deathgasm was like taking those influences and also the other thing I was incredibly influenced was by was like heavy metal. Like I was a massive metalhead. Um, I sort of got into metal in a strange way. Like I was, I was sort of, you know, I wasn't really into music until for a long time when I was a kid, I just listened to like fifties bands. Like my mum would always play like a little bit of like 1950s rock and roll. So, and I didn't get into like other kids at school into like, um, uh, it's showing my age a bit, you know, like uh, New Kids on the Block and all that shit. And I just, I just couldn't, I was like, what the hell is this? Like, so I, know, I was never really into popular music. And then uh, when I was about 13 um, at school, I think another kid had like um, uh, Cannibal Corpse. I think it was Tomb of the Mutilated. And it was, uh, I, was I think it was 92. It was, was it 92? Like Tomb of the Mutilated and like Body Count. Um, and, and we were just like laughing at how offensive it was and reading the lyrics. And you just, just at the age where like, you know, it's just so just insane and taboo that you just can't help but love it. So I sort of like, I sort of joined metal and like, from, from like, you know, Cannibal Corpse when they're at their most offensive. And then I started like um, reverse engineer my way back through to like, you know, Priest and um, Maiden and, and Sabbath and um yeah so we're just kind of a weird way to do it usually i guess maybe it's usually the other way around but yeah so, so deathgasm was like you know those like the metal all, all the music i was into when i was that age um and the movies i was into at that age and like sort of joining them up and and you know seeing what we could what, what we could do of it you know and like uh, where, where it could go i'm gonna take a guess and say that deathgasm is pretty um autobiographical were you in any bands how much are you and your friends are in this movie um a, a lot like I even I named a few of them after like my 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 mates even and um it's uh yeah I mean a similar thing happened to me where um I got expelled from um from one school where and I had to go stay with my my dad and stepmother um and I was like 14 or 15 and it was a much smaller town um I was like one of the only metalheads at school if not the only metalheads so um yeah I lived through that there. too yeah <laughs> yeah in the 90s we're, we're we're about the same age so yeah like in the 90s yeah right yeah it's like yeah same deal it's not like know? it is today it's a lot more it's a lot more socially acceptable today like back then it was like you know if, if you wore like you know the, the metal shirts like I used to wear like a deicide shirt around and like long hair and you know all the rest and you know you, you stood out back then um you know it's it's definitely not like today where it's you know and even stuff like you know playing Dungeons and Dragons like in, in the movie like that that was very weird back oh, then. like yeah. nerd culture was very weird you know that's like if you played video games that. you were a nerd yeah that's really interesting to hear that that uh you know pre-internet um we have the same experience on in the west coast of the United States and in New Zealand you know i mean it's really interesting like that's really yeah. cool to know that's really cool to know that you know because i mean yeah you know in, in the same um i mean i was i was born in 81 what year were you born 79 right yeah. okay so um, it's like yeah, yeah. So, so it's like you know you're in that that it's like it's a it's like pre-columbine era but like when if columbine happened when we were in high school, like act easily, somebody probably could have said, "Oh yeah, it was it was probably that guy in the deicide shirt." Like, what yeah. are you talking about? You know, like yeah, exactly. Just total like total social social outcast. You know, that's uh, it's it's really really interesting. I always kind of felt that like I don't feel that way now, but it, back no. then I always kind of felt like I was born 
like 10 years too late. You know, like yeah. I, I always felt that way, but especially even with cinema and movies and just popular music and stuff like that. So uh, it's cool to see like, you know, much in the way like my parents wouldn't let me watch horror movies either when I was younger and it's, it became my favorite thing. You know, that's that's kind of what happens, right? If you're a little yeah. bit sheltered from it, you know, th- there's this big explosion later when you like, oh, man, like you just you soak up all at, at almost at once all the stuff that you missed out on. And when you're at your creative peak, you know, you're able to put something great together like that. So that's, that's what's cool. I think that even with your film, I think the timing was, was right. Yeah, no, it's really interesting that you say that. Like, uh, I, you know, I sort of wonder, cause you know, I've just got like a, a, a kid of my own and he's like almost two and I'm like, you know, am I going to like, when do I start getting him into horror? You know, like when obviously like, um, you know, he's going to like cotton on, he's already seen like a lot of my sort of horror posters and stuff. And, you know, uh, yeah, like, do I have to like say, oh no, you have to wait till you're like 16 to watch this, or or do I just like let him watch like Human Centipede now and just see he might like turn against <laughs> it and like, become like a, a doctor or like a lawyer? Yeah, just <laughs> just get you know play some anal hey. cunt to him now and just see what happens. <laughs> Always remember this though, like what your parents think is cool is not cool. Exactly. So he'll, yes. he'll rebel. He'll be like, right, oh. right. <laughs> See, I was oversaturated. <laughs> My parents didn't have any kind of ground rules. You know, they just let me watch what the fuck ever, and I just kind of gravitated really? to stuff like Dead Alive. So then again, yeah. they didn't think it was cool. So Jarvis's point stands. So <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so when you were, uh, when did you shift from just? you know, loving horror and being in metal bands as hobbies to maybe uh, trying to get pursue a career in the film industry? Um, it was pretty much straight after high school. Um, I started, um, I was actually incredibly lucky because, you know, there wasn't, this is like, we're talking um, late 90s. You know, uh, there wasn't really much going on. I was in a small town and there was a, a job opening for a video editor assistant, like um, trainee at this uh, TV station. So, um yeah so that was like my very first job was like um a video editor and i did that for like three years and i wasn't really mentally prepared for that job in terms of like my maturity level because i was just straight out of high school and and still very much in that, that zone um but uh it was great like it was i sort of learned how to do a lot of things the wrong way <laughs> um we, you know we're, this is like we're talking shooting on like uh vhs cameras and right. um and like a lot of like local sports games and but i was still like like i i would uh, i drank so much one night before like I, we were filming speedway uh i'm not sure if you guys like you, you guys had speedway like the you know just driving around around the track eh? um yeah so i was filming speedway on like this big platform uh in the morning and i just got raucously drunk and i was, I was still drunk when i got to work and I was just like on this platform, just filming these cars go around and around. And I just like, just vomited on the camera. And then I like, um, I turned around off the, off the, off the like um, tower and just like vomited off the tower, like, you know, tra- away from the crowd. And I looked down, there was this, this little kid down there, like watching me. I'm like, oh man, <laughs> stay in school. <laughs> um, but yeah, that was it was it was fun. Like it wasn't like a, a lot of money or anything. But you know, back then I didn't read much, and I did like a lot of different weird stuff. My my boss was completely insane. Like he'd he'd have like um like there's this a Christian show on, and then straight afterwards he'd have like he'd bring strippers in to do an ad for the local strip club, and um yeah, it was uh it was, it was pretty fun. So I sort of like yeah, I did I did that for a while and then I uh ended up moving to Wellington where I'm living now and going to film school in uh, the two thousands and then um yeah, I started making short films and you know, just weird stuff and I made this short film that was all shot on green screen and I didn't I, I just sort of assumed that I'd try and find someone to do the visual effects, uh and then realized afterwards I had, I had no money, so I um, I taught myself visual effects and that led to, um, you know, getting, getting work, uh, doing visual effects, which I've been doing, you know, uh, since then off and on. So I still like work in visual effects and then I, I get to do sort of like, uh, you know, a film or a short film or a music video. And then I get broke and go back to visual <laughs> effects. So right. wait, um, you, you didn't go to school for visual effects. You just taught yourself. No, no, I just, I just like, I, I taught myself just like, um, just, 
uh, don't even know this is like this is just where maybe youtube was first coming in but there was like a lot of vid- uh there was like um a lot of video tutorials like creative cow which i think still around um, had a lot so of we're talking tutorials. we're talking digital digital special effects right yeah Got yeah it. Um, so it was, uh, initially it was an After Effects and then I, I managed to get a job on a kid's show, uh, compositing these two like little CG aliens, um, into a, like a live, live action zoo. And so, um, that, that was, uh, I sort of like had an interview and I didn't know how to use this computer program and I just lied and said I could and just, and just like did these tutorials in the weekend and started on Monday. So I just totally like bullshitted my way in and, and somehow managed to keep my job. But, um, that's how you got to do it. It was fun. Yep. Yeah. yeah. It was like, it, so it was like this total kids show. Um, and, uh, it was quite funny. There was like just weird stuff. Like I had to like remove the genitals from like zoo animals because like obviously you see these like monkeys running around on a kids show you can't see like you can't see their balls hanging down so i had to like just like digitally erase like monkey testicles and all sorts of weird stuff but um yeah it was it was really fun um and then i managed like sort of progress onto bigger films i did like uh my first feature was um the nicholas cage movie like ghost rider 2 um yeah, pretty good start. So like lots of fire and like skulls it was amazing and uh yeah like i've did the hobbit movies you're blowing and, my mind because yeah. i'm looking at your imdb um, right now and i see all that you've done for visual effects and you taught yourself you've been on lord so of the like Man, the avengers yeah so like when you get that first gig right if it's ghost rider 2 or or something like this like are you working on a visual effects team that's run by somebody and they're like hey we need guys like to do the work basically to do yeah. this and then that's cool. So yeah, I'm just curious about how that how that comes about. You know, and I think this is like really there's like a hidden lesson here, especially for. I mean, I'm gonna I'm not even in the, the states right now, but I'm gonna throw it back to the states where like you know we we've got a big issue right now with um, the college like university system. I mean, it's extremely expensive, and people are in debt for most of their lives after that. And yeah. you know, I mean, it's like. You know, it's cool. To, like, you're a good example of somebody who's like, you know, you come from a small town. There's really not a lot of prospects. But if you're passionate about something and, you know, you have the means. I mean, there's more there's more means now, 20, 20, 25 years later than when you did it, um, you know, for people to to educate themselves, whether that's, you know, for whatever they like. There's a there's a ton of videos for everything out there. There's How magazines, is. there's blogs. You know, and I think that like young, young, young people in the arts should really, especially should, should follow that path. And just like, you know, if, if, or just really any, any profession, but like, if you love something enough, the information is there. The, the, the best thing to do is just to actually start doing it, you know, and and like, that's, that's how you're going to learn. And then you meet people and, you know, 90%, 90% of it is like, you know, your relationships and like being able of somebody that people like working with and being around, you know, <laughs> and like, and, yeah. and when you work with cool people, you can, you can pick things up very quickly. And when you're in the moment, it's like, you're, you're in it, you're doing it, you know? So um, I think that's a really, really valuable underlying lesson here to, to that. So I hope that, uh, you know, people out there listening that are, that are thinking about that are thinking that they can't do something because they don't have the money or the means or parents thinking about, you know, their them having to put their kids through all this university and stuff. I mean, it's like, you know, you're really not, you're not guaranteed anything after that, except debt. Debt is the only thing that is guaranteed, you know? So, uh, you know, I'm not trying to downplay it. I'm sure there's a lot of people in the university system that are highly educated and take it very seriously. And, you know, if you're going to be a doctor or, you know, sometimes you need that stuff or trade schools and all that stuff, but you know, regardless yeah i I hate to go off on that tangent but i'm just saying like it's good good message it's it's good to see an example of it you know i mean i'm a high school dropout you know now i've run my own business and tour the world but it took me you know i mean i've been playing music for 25 years but i mean that's the thing if you we all i think we all know who we are when we're pretty young we just try and and ignore that you know a lot of us and uh it's just uh everybody needs to especially with the way the world is now, everybody needs to just, uh, just get on it, man. If you, if you love doing something, just, just do it, you know? So. Totally. 
Yeah, and I know a lot of people that went to university and just they they were so young they didn't really know what they wanted to do as well and they like studied for four years and now they do something completely different. Right. <laughs> like mm-hmm. not even there was a guy at film school who like did like four years of law school to be a lawyer, realized that he didn't want to be a lawyer, so he like went to film school and just yeah, like you said, that's so much money. Like it's 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 insane how much it costs. And I mean, I sort of wish I had of gone through that experience just um not not in terms of like career oriented but just like maybe learning about like um, mythology or history or or there's definitely some some aspects of it that i'm like man i i would have enjoyed that but at the same time like you you said that that. yeah yeah, that information's out there man like we've got these phones that have got like all the world's like libraries and Uh, everything the cool thing yeah the cool thing too is like the you know especially you if you work at any kind of special effects or editing like stuff like that like you got to know how valuable time is because shit just takes so long and now it's yeah. cool because like if you want to study those subjects that you just talked about you could probably find somebody now that's written a book or has a video or a video series that breaks it down into like modern day terms and says okay it would be a class. here's what yeah yeah here's for what free. you know so it's great man you just gotta the information it's just, it's fucking insane yeah. yeah the other thing is these days like like back when we were doing like when i was at film school like mini dv cameras were just like sort of had just come out so um but like they look like shit people don't um a lot of young people don't even remember what like you know what was the resolution it's like um 720 by 576 it looks like a square <laughs> and it's just grainy as shit it looks terrible and that, that's what we worked with. Now everyone's got like 4K, you know, video on their phones. And oh, that's it looks crazy. amazing. You know, if, if you if you had a really good idea, but like not much money, you could make a pretty kick-ass film on, on your phone. And just like if it had like, you know, some good characters or a really good idea behind it, it doesn't really matter. No, you know, you know no one really cares what it's shot on. Um, it, it could you know, still get you places. Um, right. Yeah. You miss every shot you don't take, ladies and gentlemen. Just take the damn shot. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So I know you guys made Deathgasm. It was sort of a like a filmmaking competition. So uh, what yeah. kind of constraints were you guys working under? Was there budgets and time constraints due to the competition? Yeah, it was. Uh, yeah, I was actually working, I think, on like the third Hobbit movie at that point or like one of them. But I was like incredibly burnt out. Um, I think a lot of people were like, there was no crunch time. Um, we started the job on crunch time. Like it's like 80 hour weeks, like some people working like a hundred hour weeks. And that wasn't just at the end of the pro- end of the project. That was at the start of the project. And it just went on and on. And I was uh, just watching Gandalf on a green screen every day was just sort of depressing me. And um, so, you know, I got the opportunity to um, pitch this, like, you know, I sort of had the title first, Deathgasm. I'm like, oh, that's kind of a cool title. And then um, uh, I found out there's like an um, indie metal label called Deathgasm Records. And so I was like, oh shit, but it's still like such a cool title. So I, I contacted the dude from Deathgasm Records and like he, he sort of gave me the okay to use the, the name. Um, and uh, so we went from there and just like, um, at first I was just like, I just want to make something incredibly gory and like a sort of a, like a toxic avenger trauma movie just gore and gore and gore and like sort of maybe the story was a bit like maybe splatterhouse just like this this dude that's yeah. just like you know <laughs> getting revenge right? on creature yeah so that was yeah. sort of like the story and then um i sort of revised it to be about metalheads and then that's where like the current yeah that, that's where the characters came from and yeah sort of using a bit of my own history and um like my own experiences living in small town new zealand and we were up against some other projects as well there was like um but i think yeah we were like an early favorite of the the judges like who were like ant timpson who's like a um uh you know big horror um he's like a festival programmer and producer and now a director in new zealand uh, you know def- definitely pretty like a, a big sort of film figure here and yeah so he was the executive producer and then we yeah so we won the competition it was like 150k american um i i i think uh about 100 yeah hundred fifty thousand dollars and 20 days of shooting so like for like the special effects and everything we were doing it was pretty tight but okay so wait hang on sorry you you won so the yeah that's what i'm confused about so the competition so you 
that's is that the prize money or is for winning the competition so it's so you shot the film and then submitted the film no 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 we um we submitted like um a short it went in increments no no at first oh at at first there was like a sort of a synopsis um that it went to like you know a a bigger treatment and like you had to submit like a poster as well oh okay Uh, yeah okay so before shooting any so you win the competition and you get the budget yeah yeah totally and And the judges produced it yeah got it okay and so uh so so you wrote the you wrote the script yeah um i that that was like the last that was like the final because like each like segment of the competition like more you'd get shortlisted and shortlisted again right uh, based on like uh how you did so uh, it's funny because the post (laughs) the poster i Go ahead, go ahead, sorry. Um, oh, yeah, sorry. The, the poster that I, like, pitched was actually the poster they used for, like, the film with, like, the... I'm not sure if you've seen, like, the one with, like, the, the fingers are cut off on red and black. Yeah, right, like, right. I just... That was what I pitched for the competition, and then they actually used it on some of the DVDs. I'm like, oh, shit. Seen that so, but, like, um, yeah. That's crazy. That's, a, that's just crazy. Like, I've, I've not heard of, you know... It's almost backwards in a way. I mean, it's, it's a very cool concept. I mean, so you... I mean, the script is usually the story, and the script is usually yeah. how you start something, you know. Um, uh, yeah. But that's but that's really cool. I mean, because so basically, you come up with the con a, a general concept, a name, a treatment, and then it kind of gets further than that, and then it finally gets greenlit in, in that way. Yeah. Um, Which is sort of how the, it works in Hollywood sometimes as well. Like there are some films that get you know greenlit on like a you know like an elevator pitch and then like sure, um, sure. but uh yeah but like um, from the independent from the independent uh circuit i i would i would guess that that would be more of a rare occurrence you know like yeah yeah, yeah definitely yeah yeah you know, <laughs> uh um but uh so let me ask you this uh does and and you know hey don't answer this if you don't want to or, or whatever it's if it's not of our business but so when when you do a competition like that and you get the, and you get the funding on that so you know you said that the the organization or whoever you know produced the film do who owns the ip on that at the end of the day <laughs> i mean because it's like well, it, yeah that's sort of getting into why the sequel has been um a bit of a nightmare to like make because uh-huh. um i yeah and uh i originally the original contract i signed um meant that i because i got paid like pretty much nothing from from deathgasm um but like i'm not bitter about that because i you know i got to make a film and it was like i was never like about money because i was making money doing visual effects but i was like oh man life just it can't just be about money i need to do something i didn't need to do something that i you know i i I used to read fangoria i still you know a lot and like i was reading about like sam sam raimi and toby hooper and all these crazy experiences they had i'm like oh man i want to do shit like that like i just i want to go through that and um yeah like uh so so i yeah the con- original contract i signed i owned the ip but then like when it came to doing the uh the sequel for some reason there was another contract that i hadn't signed that is, is incredibly complex i've had lawyers look it over and it that that the original um the new zealand film commission and the original producers and the uh distribution company dark sky had the rights long story short we we went through all this bullshit and um you know i i have the ip now so um okay, which cool. is really cool so we're sort of like putting it together with a really cool team um and but yeah it, it definitely is a like a bit i i was just like when i originally signed those contracts i i just i just never gave a fuck like it was like i didn't I never went into it like, oh man, I'm gonna like, um, you know, like make this film, and it's gonna be like this, this sort of. Uh, I I just wanted to do something. I didn't really care about like what I had to sign to do it. Let's just do it. And I think like yeah, like that must be a thing with bands as well when they're like, oh, especially they're young, like, they're like yeah, yeah. Even us, like even like with Night Demon, I mean, we're you know we're on a major label, and like I was like the we're we're still on, we're still there. But it's like one of the like one of the worst moves I made. Like when it happened, you know, it was like it was funny. That was a, that was in 2015, so probably the same around the same time your film got released. But but yeah, yeah you true. know, I mean, hindsight, it just sometimes like 
it depends what you're trying to do, right? It's like if you're trying to make Deathgasm, if you're like, look, this is like my life's work. This is like my opus. And this is like, I just want to make a film in my life. It's a lot different than like, hey, you're a filmmaker. Like, you yeah. got to break out somehow. And sometimes, or like, I'm in a band. It's like, you know, in order for in order for us, you know, to be the international touring act that we are, it's like, sometimes, like, you got to play the game. You got to, yeah. like, you have to just, yeah. to, if you want to be in the conversation, like, you have, sometimes you have to just, you have to compromise a little bit in the beginning and roll those dice and hope that yeah. you have some kind of, you gotta get I mean, I, it, 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 yeah, but you hope that the deal, that's the, you know, not everybody should should be totally raped in their first yeah, deal, you yeah, know, no. But, no, totally. And, it, and it's, uh, you just yeah, never totally know what's right going to happen with your stuff, though. That's the thing. You never know what's going to happen yeah. with your stuff. I mean, like, one thing with us is, like, I'm glad that, you know, we always kept our publishing, which is nice. But, like, master rights, we'll never own. You know what I'm saying? So, no. like, it's, it's, but, but, you know, the, the, the publishing of the work is good. Like, to own that IP, I mean, and that's an easy thing to give away. People are always trying to get that, you know, stuff like that. They're go distribution companies with films too i mean they'll offer you an advance for ownership of you know and then you start splitting it up and then you have investors and like it gets super complicated you know and at the end of the day yeah. you're just like hey i just like this was my idea you know yeah but it's yeah. got to get made and it's got to be seen I've, I've learned a little bit about that from like licensing music uh for films and it is it is almost even crazier than the film industry. Um, because I, I remember I was um, emailing like John Tardy from um, Obituary about like having an obituary song and Deathgasm. And he was down for it, but he was just like, look, dude, we just don't like, you know, I'm just not the guy to ask. Like, you know, I wrote the song and like, you know, it's, 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 but it, I don't have those rights, you know, right. and it's, uh, right. it's incredibly like frustrating, I think for a lot of like, um, like, uh, yeah, like musicians and any, anyone in the creative industry, I guess you, you have to sort of sell your soul a little bit. Um, yeah. So here's a quick, I'll give up just a 10 second education for the listening audience. So basically if you're going to license any music for a film or television or commercial or anything like that, the way that it's split up, is a 50, 50 split. The, the record or it's basically 50% is whoever owns the master rights, which is the actual recording of the music. And the other half is the publishing, which is the ownership of the actual work itself. Usually, I mean, in our situation, it's like we own the publishing and the label owns the master rights of the record, the master recording. So if we can all agree on everything, the money will usually get split like that. We half the label, half us. But the thing is, a lot most labels, especially with something in the case of obituary or you know a band that's that did a deal in the early '90s or something like that, a lot of times mm. they, they sold their publishing to the record company, and then now the record company doesn't exist anymore. They're owned by a major label, and the, they sold their publishing too. So like they really have no rights to their stuff. Then you know it's like the bands are cool, the bands want to do it, but sometimes the label there's they're just there's no focus anymore on this stuff is that it's not that they even that they don't want to do it it's like they're willing to walk money because they don't even have the staff to pay attention to it you know so yeah it's, exactly it's, it's, a, it, it's a whole it's a whole twisted thing out there and uh, i hope moving forward with like say if we talk about blockchain and digital things like this where things everything's digital we, we get to a point where things can be monetized digitally just through coding and back-end yeah. stuff where you can embed stuff where hey the money every time something gets monetized the money gets split it's in its ways and people since it's a free market anyway you know see the major label's not going to crack down on the bootlegger on youtube but they won't no. give something up but they won't take the time to give something away to somebody trying to create something that wants to pay them it's 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 a it's a terrible terrible world we're living in <laughs> but, yeah and, no it's so anyway sorry i know this interview is about news and about uh the oh no 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 it's, 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 it's a, <laughs> yeah no it's a it's a fascinating uh it's it's i find it really fascinating and yeah like we uh so, so for like the, the music uh soundtrack for deathgasm we like we had no money so it was just all me just like hitting out musicians <laughs> online and just begging and losing my dignity and getting uh, told to fuck off by a lot of people, quite rightfully. 
Um, and yeah, we, we managed to put together a really cool soundtrack. Um, you know, a lot, lot of like independent bands. We had like a couple of tracks from Emperor, which one of my all-time favorite uh, black metal. I've, I've still got like my, still got it. Oh yeah, still got my um, in the Night Side Eclipse uh, uh, cassette tape. This is the nice. same tape from when I was like, uh, from when I was a kid. Um, and I played that so much. And yeah, they're, they're, I think it was like Candlelight Records. So they were yeah. just incredibly cool. And um, there's some bands like wanted an enslaved song for that scene where they're getting whipped in the face of the dildos. <laughs> and right. um, I, I was on the phone to like Norway, and 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 just uh, they they basically just uh, told me to piss off. <laughs> And yeah, so it was it was it was very very hard, but um, we we managed to put together a, co- a cool soundtrack. It's but it's yeah, there there was like that, that that was like the hardest thing I th- I think just just trying to navigate that and um you know ho- hopefully well let's hook up time. on the next let's hook up on the next one man if I can help out totally bro I was gonna yeah, ask yeah no, no. since you own the yeah. IP now is there gonna be a sequel. I hope so. Like, um, so the, the, the thing that, and it's kind of a crazy um, parallel of Evil Dead, like the thing that helped us out on the first Death Guess, and the reason why we could do it for so cheap is because, you know, the Evil Dead remake, uh, I think like 2013? Yeah. Um, that shot in New Zealand. So we managed to steal heaps of like gore rigs and like makeup and baked blood from that film and use it on our film. So like cool. that scene where like she's chainsawing that thing in half and like there's like raining blood and I uh, love that movie, by the way. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah, yeah it's a great um, remake. Uh, that, that, that same dummy is like a dummy that gets axed in the head by the uh, Medina in one of the scenes and uh, just like, you know, just repaint everything. So, um, yeah, they're, they're currently like shooting like Evil Dead Rises here, so we're hoping to like maybe after that, um, there's um, there's a lot of heads of department and like the makeup artists that I hopefully can um, you know, steal off the back of that film, and yeah, we can hopefully make Deathgasm too. But we're we almost um, we we almost put it together last year, but um, it just didn't get through one of the final hurdles, which is really unfortunate. But um, yeah, I'm currently like revising the script and um awesome. yeah i mean it's it's uh it's i, I think the, the the sequel script is a lot of fun like it's sort of set you know six seven years later with the the, the main character sort of like um you know the at first is like a teenage sort of a teenage metalhead now he's like sort of a a, a washed up metalhead in his like mid-20s <laughs> and yeah so so but there's, there's a lot of fun you know that we're having with that um there's a lot of scenes that are even more sort of over the top and insane that it, yeah there's especially one scene that every time someone reads the script i'm like i can't believe that scene's in there you what the hell are you thinking i'm like well I, i'm so desensitized that i just can't see that it's like incredibly offensive but like i don't know it's but the producers uh i'm working with some really cool producers they're like no that scene stays in the movie that's <laughs> <Just, laughs> great because they know it'll be like a it'll be like a gif or like it'll be on youtube everyone will share it around because it's so yeah. like uh batshit exactly. insane they're like um so it's cool working with people that realize you know realize that and and are passionate about like maintaining the integrity and not trying to like uh, water it down right so your first film, your first feature is Deathgasm. You can't work kind of backwards. You got a bare bones budget, but your second feature, you got Harry fucking Potter. So, what's <laughs> the where that how that jump happened? That um that was it, it was kind of crazy because I sort of uh, had started writing Guns Akimbo first, um but before before Deathgasm as a short film, and then. I, I, I mean, when I, when I made Deathgasm, there was no, like, I wasn't thinking about, like, any international audiences or festivals or any of that stuff. I was like, let's just make a weird film that I can just, like, smoke pot in my garage and watch with my friends and just have a laugh. Like, there was never there was never any expectation that anyone else was going to dig it. And then it, it definitely, yeah, got into all these festivals. We premiered at South by Southwest. And, you know, it, it's, it's kind of crazy. Like, it... it um i think it's done a lot better overseas than it has in new zealand like a lot of people in new zealand like don't even know about it but like you know there's the, the cool thing is like i never really realized this until i'd made deathgasm is like people in the states would come up to me and they'd be like oh man we love like fucking gory new zealand films new zealand horror comedy and i i didn't even realize we had that reputation but you know when you look at it there is like a you know a bit of a lineage of like you know the peter jackson films yep. and like you know tyker's uh the, 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 what we do in the shadows and 
so so it's cool being sort of a part of that and you know i um yeah like it's i you know went to all these festivals i I basically like i was working on um wolverine i think and um i after that in australia and i basically just lived out of a suitcase for a few months and went over to europe um you know london uh you know the states mexico korea i'd never even been to the northern hemisphere before making deathgasm and then suddenly i'm like i went around the world like i tried to work it out like three times it was just it was fucking, it was insane and and you know it was just great I, I just loved meeting like um the going to festivals and meeting all the fans and it was like you know when I was growing up it was just like me and a few friends just like we were never part of like this big you know it, it was very very small and then going to like these festivals where there's just hundreds of horror fans and right. um uh you know like going to mexico and everyone's like wearing like metal shirts and everyone's cheering it was it was fantastic i i had a great time so um during that i went to la and i met these producers and i pitched um they're like oh what else, what else you got and i'm like I had, no, I had no ideas i was just like i was like pretty much just drinking at festivals the entire time i had no no you know i i, I couldn't find time to like sit down and try and like think of another thing to do so i just pitched uh, guns akimbo out of the blue and they they dug it and like oh they asked me if you got a script and i'm like yeah i'll just i'll sort of polish it i'll send it through in a few weeks and i'm like fuck so like i i basically just like wrote it like uh in, in a few weeks just like um just smashing the keyboard and um yeah that, that's pretty much how it was born there was you know we we started putting it together and started putting some names down for like the the lead and i think Dan, danny radcliffe was definitely like uh on the top of that list you know i sort of think of him as uh this you know he's this generation's like michael j fox yeah he's like sort a of good this, one. That's a good every comparison. man sort of like you know just likable sort of every yeah. man uh and and really sort of easy to see in 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 a role like that and he was literally the first person we sent the first actor we sent the script to and then suddenly it was like oh he wants to get on skype and chat oh wow holy shit <laughs> like i just i expected like you know months of rejection and um definitely had that later <laughs> we were casting a few <laughs> other roles uh, we, we went out to like 40 different people for like the antagonist uh we went out to like patrick stewart and like all these people oh, shit. it was a lot, a lot harder to cast that role um but yeah like uh da- got on a skype with dan uh and he's just a genuinely awesome guy fantastic really modest um you know just really loves making films loves um meeting people like he knew the names of everyone on the film set like all the assistants there was like no wow. ego or like i'm i'm like the man because i did these movies he was just like yeah. just an ultra awesome guy um and and a great actor as well like you know we were incredibly tight for time and it was just like damn we're just gonna get one take of this because we have to go like fucking shoot like 20 other scenes tonight could you lay down in this like um in this junkyard in the rain and there might be glass on the ground we're not sure and (laughs) just like have this like big dude like we're just gonna spurt blood into your eyes and he's like yep you know it's like three o'clock in the morning freezing cold you know he's like yeah exactly (laughs) like just he was down for it and i i so i love working with actors with that attitude you know um because there's just so especially when you're making genre films it's arduous man there's there's it's filthy <laughs> you know yeah i loved him in the woman in black so he's got some familiarity in the genre i like those he's, he's great like he's done some cool shit i i loved him in that uh i sort of unread film actually i need to rewatch it um swasami man where he played like the farting corpse yeah. it's hilarious like uh, <laughs> um and i really liked uh horns as well like uh, which is based on like a book by uh i read by um stephen king's son is it joe hill yeah joe hill um yeah i i love the book like i thought the movie was uh like really cool he was great in it like i sort of i think it's one of those things where you read the book first you're not uh you're always sort of expecting a little bit more from it maybe but um i thought, I thought right. it was a really cool movie uh actually like related to metal i think his uh heart-shaped box like his first book is um like about a metalhead who like buys this uh i think it buys like this a ghost of ebay or this haunted object and it actually is haunted it's uh wow. but he's like this washed up like sort of a washed up sort of maybe sort of a combination of marilyn manson and ozzy a little bit like sort of you're talking about yeah, Joe Hill's um, book? yeah a heart-shaped box so it's gotcha. like a the, really really cool book actually i'd love to love to see that as a film um i you know i think metalhead's a amazing 
characters to play with you know there's yeah uh, they are especially you know like a lot of movies like i just saw it and there's so many movies where it's just like they chuck a fucking generic metal t-shirt on one of the bullies and like you're the bully of course beat up these did, characters right? like uh and that's so bullshit like i when i was growing up none of us were bullies we were like the fucking we were the bullied you know like it yeah. was uh it was the people in the rugby teams that would beat the shit out of us you know we were just like a bunch of skinny nerds just like, <laughs> so it's so it's so weird how there's that hollywood thing of metalheads being bullied so i always love the opportunity to show like a, a metalhead in a different light and if you're on the outside looking into the metal the metal scene in general you don't realize just how varied metal is like you listen to death metal and you listen to power metal that they're not very close so someone who's a not, fan of death metal and power metal maybe yeah they like metal but that's not very they may not be similar at all you know no totally it's uh i i've gone through a bit of a death metal resurgence lately just i i suddenly just started getting into it a lot more um and you know I've, um is into a lot of like sort of like um metalcore and progressive metal um you know I've, I've never left metal but uh my tastes have changed but i've started getting into a lot of like uh more sort of like black and death and that sort of stuff and but yeah like then there's like the symphonic that symphonic metal like you know the real european stuff which is right. just totally uh different <laughs> it's like a like a whole different thing exactly like you wouldn't even know that it's considered the same quote-unquote genre it's just metal yeah so yeah, totally just to back up a little bit on something you said, we just uh, talked to Tim Baum a couple of days ago. He plays Lionel in Dead Alive. Fantastic. Oh, yeah. man, I love him. Yeah. Yeah, and he's he was echoing pretty much the same things you just said about um, the New Zealand horror because the first time he came over here to a horror convention, it just blew his mind because, you know, America is a, it's a bit different with horror. We have horror, horror conventions in every major city with thousands of people there, and that just kind of took him off guard. I just thought that was funny. It's so weird. Like I, you know, we have, you know, there's definitely a scene here, but like I, I wasn't prepared for just like, you know, people with like um, tattoos of like, you know, uh, reanimator. And yep. it was just, it's just amazing. Like I, uh, I, I love it. I really, um, you know, definitely felt like I felt, you know, I, I found my tribe, you know, in a way it's, yeah. uh, it's, it's, it's really cool. And um, definitely a lot different from when we were younger and like there wasn't, I think even maybe in the States and a lot of smaller places, there wasn't like um, the internet. So, you know, people just contacting each other with zines and like Fangoria and same, same with metal. Um, whereas now people are a lot more connected for better or worse. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I was going to ask you uh, to date, uh, what is the best piece of advice you received for navigating the business? <sighs> Man, I don't, I don't, uh, people gave me enough advice. <laughs> um, uh, actually like, yeah, um, it's, uh, I don't know. It's, it's, um, I, I guess like find what you find, what you love hey. doing and, and, uh, Hey, well, that's you. <laughs> yeah. Back. There's a big storm here, but anyway, Oh shit. I'll keep going. Sorry. I guess, uh, I'm not sure who if someone told me this or I read it, but um, you know, f find you know, do do what you love and then find a way to make money from it. Because um, a lot of people do the other way around, and and it just uh, you know it can sort of lead to um, you know not being happy with you where you are, I guess. And and you know, and, and I think there's an incredible amount of luck with that. But if you if you find you know if you find your passion, you know, do, doing something that you really love, and then try and find a way to you know, make money off a second, you know, I, I don't know, like, uh, that, that's, that's something that I, I sort of, has worked for me at least. <laughs> right. I mean, that's a, that's a good idea. Jarvis, I'm about to be cutting Jason loose soon. If you got anything else for him. Well, I, I just came in at the end of that. Uh, but yeah, no, I mean, I, I can agree with, with that. I mean, I just heard the last two sentences, but I mean, it's so true. I mean, you, you know, you, you have to be, you have to focus, you know, and, and if you, if you, if you, absolutely love something you will find a way to to monetize it and you know the, the more you work at something the better you're going to be at it you know that's how you can become a professional i think talent is extremely overrated it's like oh man you know i, I mean hard work and and being a nice person like will get you yeah. much farther and like you know people people shouldn't be so afraid to suck at something when they first try it you got to try something like you know michael jordan sucked at basketball when he first started playing you know i mean it's just that's just the way it is and you know you can't you know yeah money is good money money gives us choices you know money it's yeah. it's 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 good to have currents to 
to be able to do the things you want to do. But I mean, the, the, the gratification you get in life is when you work through something. So, you know, if you have to put yourself in a tough position sometimes, I mean, I did it in when I was like, turned when I turned 30, I was like, Oh shit, I fucked around for too long. Now I have to suck it up for a good five, six years. And I had to do it. And that's fine. You know, but like, it's, you got to humble yourself sometimes and you can't take it with you. You know, I've never seen a hearse pulling a U-Haul trailer, you know, like, you you know, it's just, you, you gotta, you want to leave a legacy behind. You have to, you could do that with your work, you know, you really can. Yeah. So, yeah. Yeah, totally. And and it's, yeah, look, look, um, it's, it's crazy because I, you know, Kurt Cobain, I was just sort of reading about, um, I was a best Nevada fan when I was a kid, but, um, you know, he always had that image of just like this sort of slacker who just like didn't give a fuck. Like, but when you actually go into it, he was incredibly dedicated. He was like drawing logos and like storyboarding music videos and like writing lyrics like all the time. He was like a really dedicated hard worker. It was uh yes, yeah, so, so, so yeah. Yeah, it's really like, cool. Um, like he he released. Uh, I was never. Oh, by the way, good shout uh, at the end. I get it isn't Deathgasm. There is a oh yeah at the at the after the credits. That's that little bit you have after the credits where he's talking to the vinyl. It's like mentioned that <laughs> Kurt right. Cobain. Kurt Cobain was in heaven or wherever he was. You know the after, <laughs> yeah, the, after yeah, yeah. the afterlife. But yeah, Kurt Cobain like they released like years ago. They like his journal. They just made a book out of yeah. it. It's great. You see all the stuff. It's like we all have that. We've all that's all of us. Like yeah. in school. Like man, I've got shit. I look back 25 years ago and I'm like, holy shit. Like I'm drawing guitars and stuff. Um, Yeah. yeah. And then like Night Demon recorded with Steve Albini last year, you know, and he did in utero and like, he was telling us all kinds of stuff. Like, and he was like, yeah, no, that guy was like, he, like he was really serious about his music. Even though it didn't, you know, like you, you, you know, he really was serious about what he did, you know, and that's all that mattered. And that was fine. Well, I was just reading about um, Steve Albini, uh, I think last night, actually. And, and yeah, uh, what was it like working with him? He sounds like a character. I like his... Uh... Dude, he, he, <laughs> if you, we did this song, it's called Are You Out There? You should check it out on YouTube, just Night yeah, Demon, dude. Are You Out There? Because we have, like, we did a little, like, mini doc of us in the studio with him, because we just did one song. Uh, but we did it at his place, Electric Audio in Chicago. But uh, it's like, he's just going to work, man. Like, I remember I asked him, <laughs> what, at only one time in the process, I asked him his opinion on something. I was like, all right, so, like, this part, like, and it was a simple thing, too. It was, like, this note or that note. It's not, it's not like we could go here or we can go there. I'm like, well, what do you think, like, this or that? And he was just like, it's your song, man. You know? <laughs> like, like, I'm just, like, here to, you know, like, you know. And I remember, too, there was one thing that, like I, I really wanted our guitar player to set up for like this different sound. And I could tell like Albini got just a little like, like, fuck, I'm going to have to kind of like move a bunch of shit, you know? Yeah. And I was like, look, I was like, look, man, it's, it's worth like, we, we need that sound. Like it's worth it. Like this is, you know, so let's, we're going to do it, you know? And, and, uh, yeah. and he's like, so I was like, I was like, dude, I'll help you. Like, I'll help you <laughs> like rearrange all these Marshall amps and shit. And he's like, he's like, no, like, no, like, like, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. And Don't you know, he wears, dude, like he wears, he wears like his like full on, like, uh, it's like a jumpsuit. Like he's like a car mechanic, but, but yeah. he's just going to work. He's going to work. And like, yeah. he's, it's, it was a great experience, man. But, but yeah, yeah, the one, the one time I did ask him just one small thing, he just like, I, I don't, he just wouldn't give his opinion on it. Like, he's like, that's yeah, your music. Guy. And it's like, yeah, but you know, like, why we're here, right? Like, at <laughs> yeah. some point, at some point, and I know, I know that you're just an engineer, but at some point in your 40-year history of doing this, you had to have, and being in bands like Shellac and just being a musician, like, you had to have, you got to know that, like, we're here because you got to have some kind of, like, expert musical opinion or some flavor that we want, you know? Yeah. So, just a tad but, uh, of it's pretty interesting because, some producers are like because some producers are the opposite right like they pretty much like they play instruments on the albums and like they are pretty much like a band member as i um, actually saw this documentary about death, death leopard and like 
their, yeah. their producer pretty much made them like if they didn't have that producer they would have sounded like like yeah. a totally different band um well albini says albini refuses to call himself a producer he refuses that's right he won't use yeah. he won't use that word he's just he's an engineer so yeah you know hey that's cool man you know it'd be cool yeah. to have rick rubin laying on the couch producing and albini at the <laughs> controls you know <laughs> so yeah. but it was all analog man it was all to tape and like i love doing recordings of tape and like it was just great you know it was really cool actually okay, one oh, last so thing cool. about that I, I, one last thing i remember doing we record live right and and i and i said hey i want to punch in a couple things on the bass track and he's like why it sounded fine to me and i'm like nah like i could tell because i played it like what was you know the parts that were kind of like uh that just didn't feel right and he's like let's listen back and we listened back to the solo track and i'm like yeah, it's pretty good. Like I couldn't even hear in the spots where I thought it was bad. So, you know, Hey, yeah. there we, I did get some, some, some of his professional magic. In there. What was the name of that song? <laughs> yeah. It's called, are you out there? It's like a, it's like a, it's just kind of like a tribute to thin Lizzie that we did to fill line it, you. you know? Uh, but, uh, anyway, anyway, check it that's out. not, it ain't about me. It ain't about me. So no, fantastic. Uh, just, uh, well, Jason, before we let you go, won't you tell everybody what you have on the horizon and where folks can find you? Do you have a website, social media, all that stuff? I'm, I'm sort of like, that's actually another piece of advice I'd probably give, um, you know, any, any sort of filmmaker or, you know, social media now <laughs> while we still can, because it's fucking shit. Like it is so terrible. And um, yeah, I'm sort of like, I'm, I'm on Instagram and Twitter, um, but it's like my my accounts are very like I, I don't really go on them. I sometimes like uh, the, the only thing I really do is on Instagram. I um I get a lot of fan art. People send me fan art, yeah. so I I, re, I I I share that because I'm like and tattoos. Like someone got a fucking tattoo of like based on one of my movies. I'm gonna share that shit because that's awesome and and. I, that's that's sort of what I do it for, and like the you know the thing that sort of keeps me going is like I get messages from people who've seen like um you know especially death guests and they're like man I I'm so depressed and I saw your movie and it cheered me up and I'm like Fuck, that's so cool like I I don't mm-hmm. you know that that's sort of why and and I um Jarvis you must get this with music as well like that that's the coolest thing to hear and and I just so um but yeah social media is just it's it's fucked and like there's especially twitter is like it's um the whole culture at the moment is just you know it's it's strange in the the 90s there was like this thing where we knew we were outsiders like i'd I'd run around like um get drunk with my mates and like put a dress on and like you know do do crazy shit we 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 loved like not conforming and we love pissing people off like and nowadays the cultures you, you don't want to go pissing people off because they will fucking kill you they'll make you lose your job they will like yeah like it, it's 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 very different now like the whole um watch what you say idea of <laughs> people transgressive culture yeah people will transgressive it's really uncool to be transgressive uh these this, days this will it's live really forever. uncool <laughs> this will live forever yeah. what you say right now yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. It, it, it's it's, it, it's, it's a weird culture. Yeah. And and I think well, it will change. Yeah. Like my my kid's generation, I think, is gonna like that. He's gonna grow up in this generation almost like where you can't say anything. And I think his generation are gonna. It might be like the like the you know the punks again. They'll just say no, fuck this. We're gonna take. We're gonna say what we want. We're gonna do what we want. You no. Know? And I I think it will change. But right now it's like yeah, it's like your permanent record. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that like um, you can't even have a discussion with anybody politically or anything because everything is met with satire now everything yeah. like you can't it's it's like nobody would nobody people don't really talk to each other like that to their face no. but 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 now it's like everybody's forced to stay home and not talk and socially distance not physically distance but socially distance so they are in a position where that's it everything every comment section you read it's it's immediately approached everything is approached with a backhanded compliment or satire. And that's just not, you're never going to be able to have an open conversation with anybody about no. that, you know? Right. So like, I hope, that, very I hope you're right. Yeah. Yeah. I hope you're right about the no, next it's, generation, it's, you know, like people yeah. that I, I've always said that I want to be the kind of person, like I want to just have the care, the type of character where I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm always open to be proven wrong. I never want to know that. I think that I just know, no, everything no, you know exactly 
No, it's very, very, and that's why I love horror and metal, and I, I hope it sort of stays this way. It's sort of one of, sort of a few of the true, few of the remaining art forms that you can express yourself in a way that is divisive and sometimes offensive and abrasive, and and people will listen still. And I, I hope that remains the same. You know, I think, you know, I, mean, I, I listen to crazy shit. You know, I listen to like, um, you know, like gore grind sometimes, and I, I just, <laughs> I don't know, I, I, I you know it's 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 great to still be able to like have that freedom uh, i i definitely hope that remains the same i don't know but i i do miss you know growing up in the 90s when it was like no one asked what uh like what like our political party do you like it's like no i fucking hate politicians man like, <laughs> yeah, fuck? yeah. like, like I, what do you I'm mean to like these guys yeah it's just like you know politicians are fucking awful like we, we everyone everyone thought that it, like everyone in my generation was like no fuck that like you know uh and and now it's like you know you have to be on someone's team i'm like no i don't nope uh, nobody yeah. anyway yeah sorry um just you what what is coming up i think justin that's what Justin. was oh really yeah sorry sorry so we're up on a tangent um <laughs> oh, yeah good. like uh i'm um I'm working on a lot of stuff, uh, but like um, I've got like a death gets into is definitely um, working on this crazy slasher. He's um, um, American as well. Just over the holidays, Christmas holidays here, which is um, a very fun take on like the uh, the classic slasher tropes. I think. Can you tell us the name? Uh, uh, I think so because it'll sort of give away like because of very sort of like uh, concept. Gotcha. Uh, it's sort of a very um, and I think especially like it's sort of interesting like you know writing an american movie coming from new zealand but it's definitely like there's a lot of commentary over you know what's happened in the states recently um over the last few years for good and bad and and there's a lot and to comment on did you write there's a lot to comment on which is uh which has been really fun and i think we do it in a in a um you know because I, I i love america it's uh it's it's a great country it's and it's um the great thing about america is like and especially setting a film in america is that it's like a it's like a blank canvas you know because no one if you set a film in new zealand or zimbabwe or anywhere else it's like oh it's a zimbabwean film or it's a new zealand film yeah but if it's an american <laughs> film everyone knows the cultural uh those like um you know all the references and everything everyone was brought up in american films and and i think it's almost like a blank slate so oh yeah here we go right just make sure uh, to, make sure to and, bring your and running bring, <laughs> make sure to bring your mid-atlantic accents <laughs> exactly yeah which uh I, yeah i'm not sure if you guys saw guns akimbo but it was probably a mixed bag <laughs> uh yeah but um yeah i think people are, people are hopefully pretty forgiving about stuff like that I mean, i'm not sure how you guys feel about it you know be, being from the states but it's um yeah i mean i yeah, I, yeah I grew up on like american movies american music so it's uh yeah i mean just like that's just we're just we're just born there and that's just the way it is that's the cards yeah. we're dealt you know yeah. i i mean i travel i mean look i'm in ireland right now and i travel all over the world most of the time right when there's, there's no pandemic but you know i've just kind of realized that it's like i think people just understand the way that i talk because i grew up in los angeles that's where movies were made and that's where people exactly. see movies that's just the way it is there's there's many things that um, that Americans can can learn from other cultures, man. You know? a lot. Uh, <laughs> but we're a mixed bag, you know. It's like people don't understand yeah. that either. We're a huge country, and there's so, you know we're often judged by most like people of most country. We're often judged by our politics, which is unfortunate because I really yeah. don't even know anybody who's in. <laughs> I don't even, and I don't, I know oh. a lot of people. I really don't even know anybody who's like who's into that shit. <laughs> you know. Me so, it's which all is fantastic. internet, um, right, right? Yeah, and unfortunately, right. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. Oh, I was just about to say, like, you're right. It's it's not even like one country. It's like 50 different countries. Like, cause I've I've only been to um you know L A, California, and Texas. Right. You know, so I've been, I've been to California and Texas, and you know, it's um so different. And um, but I've I've only been to Austin, Texas, which I've heard is very different from like the rest of it's Texas. Very, it's like, very it's weird, weirdo. Yeah. Yeah, very, very sort of weird liberal part of Texas, and yeah. but um, yeah, it's it's but uh, all those American stereotypes, like uh, everyone was so polite, like the most polite people ever. It was like <laughs> I couldn't believe it. Everyone was so lovely, and like I, you know, people say that about New Zealanders, but when I walk around here, it's like it's very. <laughs> I, I I I had a great time. I don't know. It's uh, 
And um, I had almost died once in LA. <laughs> no, I didn't. I, I that's, was... a, that's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, not not bad going. No, it's uh, it's great. But um, uh, yeah, I find, it's just amazing talking to you guys. Uh, thank yeah, you so Jason, much for having me on. We do not um, want to make you late for your dentist appointment. Before you go, I do have yeah. a, a death metal recommendation for you. Check out Hell Ripper: The Affair of Poisons. I think you'll like that. Oh, yeah, oh, Hell fantastic. Ripper's, thank you. Hell, Hell Ripper's great. They're a two-piece band, and actually, they were going to support Midnight in Europe on this last tour, but that didn't happen. So anyway, yeah, quick love for help. Yeah, fantastic. No, great. Thank you so much. Uh, Yeah. All right. You have a good day. We don't want to make make you late for your appointment. And it's been great talking to you. Awesome. Thanks. Thanks, thanks, Jason. I'll pass along you guys' email so you can work on that second album. (laughs) Yeah, Yeah, definitely. (laughs) No, no, definitely. Uh, We've got a We've got to keep check, uh, chatting, Jarvis. Like, uh, you know, it, it definitely, definitely, like, I love, love to have you on, man. It's uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's funny. Uh, I've, I've seen some photos uh, on on your bio. I just did a quick thing before this on IMDb, and like, there's a lot of my friends who are in photographs with you know. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, uh, awesome. Yeah. Cool, awesome. dude. All right, all right, guys. all right, all right, guys. Bye now. Monsters, madness, and magic. Ha 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 